Welcome to the OT Digest podcast. I'm your host, Katie Kasparo, the founder of otgraphically.com, where I synthesize research into visually appealing graphics. On this podcast, we take research and make it more fun and interesting in order to quickly hear the most updated evidence going on in occupational therapy all around the world. I interview research authors about what research they've done and what they're currently working on and key takeaways they'd like OT clinicians to know. I hope you can use this information and incorporate it into your interventions the very next day. Thanks for listening. Well, welcome everyone to the OT Digest podcast. My name is Katie Caspero. We have Dr. Jana Kaysen on today. And I first met Jana after reaching out to her in the midst of trying to get a grasp on how to do pediatric telehealth during the start of the quarantine. I kept reviewing articles where I saw her name over and over again, and I said, I have to meet this person and and hear her story and and learn from her. Uh, So it was great to be able to connect with her. I also noticed that she was one of the editors of the International Journal of Tele-Rehabilitation through the University of Pittsburgh, which I'm located in Pittsburgh. So it was just a lot of cool connections in a small world situation. Um, I got to connect with Jana and Melanie, um, Melanie Chris, who they both own Telehealth Share, which um, she's gonna talk about a little bit more, but it's a company specifically filled with telehealth resources. They have many tools and videos on YouTube, which I use during my practice, and a ton of resources online and now webinars, which she'll also talk about later. <laughs> I'll let Jana explain a little bit more about their, her journey, how she got started um, from both a research, advocacy, and business perspective. Terrific. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. So yeah, so I'm Dr. Janet Kaysen. I am a professor in the Auerbach School of Occupational Therapy at Spalding University. I've been there now for a little over Uh, almost 16 years actually, uh, teaching. And I also, as uh, Katie just mentioned, I did start a company. I'll tell you a little bit about that um, back in April with uh, the transition with COVID to telehealth. There was a tremendous need. And so uh, that company is Telehealth Share LLC. And just a little bit, you want me to share a little about my journey and kind of what, where I got started in telehealth? Yeah, definitely. I think that would be great for the listeners to hear. Okay, yeah. So I was an early pioneer of telehealth. It really started, gosh, in the early 2000s. I was working on my doctorate degree. I also was uh, an early intervention provider, and I had just started transitioning into academia as well. And so multiple things came together. As an early intervention provider, I was seeing a tremendous shortage of practitioners uh, serving children, particularly in more rural areas. And I personally was traveling uh, through seven counties. And some kiddos I would maybe see on a monthly basis just because of the distance There were other therapists that I knew also that were serving some very rural areas where they would just be going down on a monthly basis, uh, even staying overnight in a hotel, serving kids back to back, um, just so that those kids could get some services specifically. In that case, it was occupational therapy. And then when my daughter, my oldest daughter was 18 months, she qualified for early intervention she had speech apraxia and some sensory issues and uh, low muscle tone. She was a preemie and qualified for OTPT and speech. 
And during that time, I also just had my own challenges of accessing providers. We weren't in a particularly rural area, but just uh, still had some issues with provider shortages. And so I was traveling um, up to four hours a day. I would travel an hour to my mom's to drop her off so she could get access to services and then another hour to work and then an hour back to my mom's and then back home. And I just remember thinking at that time how fortunate I was to have the flexibility with my job situation to accommodate that need and how many families that's not an option. And so I just uh, was working through my doctorate. We were using video conferencing technology. It's, it's all so common now, but back in the day, that was a very new thing. Uh, in fact, I remember even through some grants um, purchasing uh, video, phone-based video systems that were incredibly expensive at the time. So it's just really amazing how much technology has changed in the past decade. Uh, but I uh, was really quickly seeing that there was so much I could do just by talking with other therapists over the phone, giving suggestions, recommendations, using the, the potential for video to be able to actually see and interact with families and provide guidance through that technology that I just became very passionate from my own experience of having uh, my own daughter having challenges with accessing services and how important those services are in those early years. Uh, that really propelled me into doing research and being a passionate advocate for telehealth in the rehab professions. I think pioneer is a great word for you. Um, that would definitely was how I imagined because 2000, I mean, I can't even remember. My computer was like Windows 95 and a desktop and a tower. And I just can't even imagine doing telehealth during that time. Yeah, yeah. It was probably, I would say about 2005. I'm thinking <laughs> I've lost track. I, I think I first published around 2008 on the completion of some studies, uh, one being related to early intervention and the use of telehealth. And so, yeah, the technology has really been an amazing journey to see how much more affordable one that it is, how much better the quality, obviously that's a component, and how much more our consumers are feeling confident and comfortable with the technology. You know, that's a big piece as well, is that this is oftentimes technology they're using in their everyday lives. So that has really changed the landscape of the use of telehealth within the health professions. That makes sense. Absolutely. And I, I think the rural community is really, it's interesting because I would be curious if that was, you know, also a barrier, you know, being able to go to all those places and I can't, yeah, that's like, that's a lot of counties to have to get to. So I could see why telehealth would almost was bred out of that, that environment, because it's just giving access to people that just can't get access to the services or they, it just doesn't work. That was really how it initiated in my own experience was that rural population. But that was probably something as we moved forward with telehealth in the field of OT to kind of overcome that perception that it's just for the rural population. There's so many benefits. And while it can help the, those in rural populations to gain access, if you think about to even in urban areas, um, you know, there may be traffic challenges. So it takes an hour to get just a few miles down the street or, um, during inclement weather and potentially in urban areas, you know, that, that difficulty with traveling. And actually, Colorado was one of the early pioneers, their early intervention system to use telehealth, partly because of inclement weather several months out of the year, impacting the ability to travel. So I, that's been, a, that's been a, a wonderful benefit of telehealth for that rural population, but really thinking about it beyond that um, need and really 
thinking of other benefits, one being, you know, the, the benefits to the urban population, but also just even the flexibility in scheduling the time that we can serve our clients. So maybe it's being able to serve them, you know, after the normal business hours that we might normally be bound to in an office setting or working with a child during their mealtime routine, whereas we might not normally be able to schedule it at that time. So there's just so many benefits that telehealth can bring uh, to the profession. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for stopping me there. I, you know, I think that's self-limiting uh, telehealth a little bit, so I appreciate that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I appreciate the, the background and, and getting us up to kind of where you are today. Um, so I, I think that personal story is really powerful, and, and that makes complete sense why not only research, but advocacy was part of your, kind of where you started. Um, so what so what are some of the projects you have worked on for both the research and business perspective? Okay, yeah. So going back um, early on, I did some research with looking at telehealth with the early intervention population and then just really a lot of advocacy of just conceptualizing telehealth with that population, writing articles, um, aligning uh, the benefits of telehealth with helping states meet those um, Office of Special Education Programs, OSEP indicators that they have to report on, and really helping administrators think about how telehealth could fit within these existing systems and benefit these systems. So I did a lot of publication from that angle. I also worked early on on the issue of licensure portability. I recognized that that was going to be a tremendous need and a tremendous barrier so going back, goodness, about 2010, 2011, was really working on that side, trying to help move licensure portability forward. Not only for those with telehealth, sometimes that's a, a thought that that just aligns with telehealth, but if you think about traveling therapists, benefit from licensure portability. Also, uh, those that live on uh, borders of states, maybe serving one, two, three states, you know, clients in different states, that can be a tremendous benefit to have that licensure portability. So I'm really happy to see that now is coming along, but that's been a, a long journey to get to that point. And I think the criticality of that was really seen with COVID and the, the, the different clients we have that might be in a different state staying during the time of COVID, that licensure portability is, is even more critical. Um, I also worked uh, on the American Occupational Therapy Association's telehealth position paper. I uh, was a co-author in 2013 and in the 2018 editions. And then the World Federation of Occupational Therapists position statement on telehealth, which was published in 2014. And we actually are now currently working on a revision of that paper and update. That's amazing that you're doing it from a national and then global level. I think that is just really cool to see as OTs that we can really have a big impact and um, use that passion for to kind of help the, the world at large. So thank you for doing all that work. We appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's been, um, the global impact's been really amazing to see. I know I have been involved with the International Journal of Telerehabilitation now also over a decade and just looking at the statistics of how many readers we have internationally uh, and even during the time of COVID having so many clinicians reaching out from different countries has been really powerful to see the need and that there truly is a global need for resources and support to help move telehealth forward. Yeah, I didn't ask you this before, but this just thought came to my mind. 
you made your journal open access. Is that correct? Well, not my journal, but yes, the International Journal of Color <laughs> Rehab, which is an amazing journal, and it has been open access since its initial launch. It is open access, and one of the things that I'm really proud of with that journal is that there are no author fees either. So there are no fees associated with publishing um, in the journal. It is peer-reviewed and PubMed-indexed. Uh, Dr. Ellen Cohn is the editor of the journal and has just been an amazing mentor of mine. And I'm I'm thrilled to be a part of the journal. I actually, it was the first place that I published uh, my research and really appreciated her mentorship and guidance in that process. And that's something that we're also really committed to is to help foster um, new authors, new researchers, helping them to get their work published. Um, so it's, it, it is, it's a really amazing journal and there are no fees and it is open access so anyone you know that that can access it through the computer and that I think is also why we have such a, a broad international readership is that it really truly is accessible to everyone. I, I'm thinking about the people listening and, and kind of before we hop over to your business I just was curious if you I think for one I'll definitely link to the international journal um, because I think that was where I got a lot of information just to kind of ground myself in telehealth just from the start. Um, and then also the AOTA position statement that just had so many great points and even just what you did earlier where, you know, Hey, I don't think this is going to work for this, you know, X, Y, and Z population. It really, you, you, you do a good job of being like, well, if you just adapt it like this, or if you just, you have a lot of great points in, in that paper. So I appreciate that. Um, but if there's someone listening that feels a little stuck in telehealth, you know, what are some of those, um, findings or maybe what's like a takeaway or two that you would want to share from just from the research side and then we'll kind of flip over to the to the business that you started because I think the business really helps the, the practicality as well. Yeah, I would say uh, there are some wonderful resources. You know, AOTA has the evidence-based practice area of the webpage and um, of course we also have a dedicated webpage on AOTA's website for telehealth resources where there are hyperlinks to various resources of interest. So I would definitely say to start there, the AOTA resources are just fantastic. I also love the decision guide that has been recently developed during the COVID period where it kind of helps you walk through thinking about um, technology access and insurance reimbursement and state-based policies and just helping you to anticipate and think about some of those different pieces before um, using telehealth with specific populations. And then another great resource that your, your listeners may or may not be aware of is MBCOT through your registration as um, an occupational therapist with MBCOT, they give you access to evidence-based resources as well, and those are free uh, as, as a registered uh, member of NBCOT. So there are some wonderful evidence-based resources doing database searches through ProQuest to look at the research and specifically research in the area um, that you're interested in working with specific populations. So I think that those are two great places to start. Um, and then I think another tremendous thing that I've been following and finding really helpful is just social media Facebook groups. There's been so much interchange of ideas and resources and um, just wonderful information being exchanged in various Facebook groups that are dedicated to working with specific populations with telehealth. Yeah, that's been interesting to watch and, and blow up and a lot of cool videos of people that are sharing. And I, it's kind of like we're all in it together, it feels like a little bit more than maybe some other 
people I've heard, you know, just feel like they're kind of swimming on their own, but OT is really, really bonded together, I feel like, and we're here to help each other. Absolutely. So uh, I'd really love to hear a little bit more about Telehealth Share and kind of your dreams and vision for that and uh, how that came about and what resources you have, because you have a lot. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, you know, Telehealth Share, we truly launched Telehealth Share in April of 2020, and it truly developed organically out of a need that was a response to COVID-19. I have published extensively, and Melanie Chris as well, and are both well-known with the area of telehealth, and we were just getting so many phone calls and emails from practitioners just again, just kind of being thrust into using telehealth without a lot of uh, knowledge and experience and information. And so we realized quickly that there was a need um, to create a repository where therapists could kind of go to one place and find the resources that they needed to help them and support them on their telehealth journey. And so we started a YouTube channel, and that was just a variety of resources. I think one of the videos that, um, before it got onto our channel, that was on my personal channel, had 10,000 views in a week related to just an introduction to telehealth and OT. And so that kind of just shows you the magnitude of, of how quickly people were, were, were looking for information. And so Telehealth Share grew out of that. We thought, what would be all the things that we wish we had known when we were starting out in telehealth over a decade ago? And so we put our heads together and started putting together resources. We have the YouTube channel that now has over 65 videos. There's a lot of uh, playlists on topics such as evaluation, um, tech tips, uh, using items at home series, which has been really popular. Basically, you know, how can you use just what people have in their home to do meaningful interventions? Uh, in that case, more so focused on occupational therapy. We ended up also, one of the things we were dedicated to is providing professional development uh, in the area of telehealth. So all of our continuing education courses are related to telehealth in some way. And we became approved as providers of professional development with AOTA. So we're able to offer continuing education units for occupational therapists. And then we've also pursued uh, for certain trainings that we have for physical therapists. And our goal is really to serve OTs, PTs, speech practitioners um, with high quality professional development, the video resources through our YouTube channel. And then we have an online marketplace where therapists can buy, sell, and share uh, telehealth compatible therapy resources. And we do have a lot of free resources that we put up for practitioners to use. Yeah, I know my favorite video of yours is just like a functional fine motor assessment because, you know, we didn't quite have the, the setup for using an assessment yet. I know that there are ways to kind of adapt the assessments, but we, you know, I needed to evaluate the kid tomorrow and I was like, oh, how, how am I going to do this? So yeah, just being able to see it, you know, visually and I'm a very visual person, as you know, that was just, it was almost like I, I should be doing this on not in both my telehealth kids and my other, my in-person kiddos. So that was just really valuable for me to the way you presented it was very clear. And I, I just, I think a lot of people have, it's almost like that we have learned, it's almost like an additional field work. <laughs> like you have to really see it in order to be like, oh, that's how you do it. And, and we just hadn't had that. There was no context for it. So we appreciate you bringing that to life for us. Yeah, absolutely. And that's been one of the things too, Melanie particularly has 
created so many wonderful like templates, evaluation templates that can be quickly customized. And so really saving each other tons of time, you know, why reinvent the wheel? And so we've made those things really affordable where practitioners can quickly just download them and quickly adapt them to meet their needs. And I think that that really truly is a service. Um, and, and as you said, helping people to conceptualize or get intervention ideas of, you know, how can I use these, these common objects in the home, even a whole therapy session, just using a piece of paper, you know? Um, and so just getting those ideas and, and to see that it's not, um, you know, as scary as we might anticipate or how to kind of engage and coach the caregivers and, and working with the kids and what that might look like. So we do have a lot of sample therapy sessions, some wonderful therapists who have contributed, um, you know, videos of, of sessions with permission and so forth so that therapists can really see and, and conceptualize what that might look like in a variety of contexts. Yeah, no, I think um, it's been invaluable for me. So thank you. Yeah, <laughs> My absolutely. kids love it. They're like, oh, you're actually doing, you know, things, you know, I felt like I was kind of just flying by the seat of my pants for a while, but then I saw your videos and got a little grounded and kind of moved forward. So I appreciate that. Yeah. And I think that's the key is just finding those resources to help support. And again, that was where we felt like there's no need to reinvent the wheel. We've got all of this um, experience that we're able to share with others. And our goal, like our mission at Telehealth Share is to empower practitioners with the tools and knowledge to meaningfully implement effective telehealth sessions. And so we really want to be a resource. And Melanie and I have both for years now really helped support uh, other practitioners, helping them to get confident with their telehealth sessions. And so it was more just another platform for us to continue to do that on a bit of a larger scale than what we had done individually, just connecting with people through phone and email. So what, from all those resources you just uh, described, what is the most popular one or the one that people have been uh, going to the most during this time? I would say probably the AOTA telehealth position paper that I had the opportunity to be involved in um, drafting and, and writing was is probably the most popular. And I think it's such a great place to start because it truly is very comprehensive in just so many aspects of conceptualizing telehealth and OT and then also some very practical things to think about, including ethical considerations and so forth. So I think that that's definitely a great place to start and OT practitioners can, you know, access uh, AOTA resources uh, through that telehealth page. And I think that's a really good place to start and has been very popular. Awesome. And what about on um, telehealth share? What are some of the things that people really like or resources that people have been starting with? I think with Telehealth Share, one of the most popular and is free resource are our infographics. We have 21 infographics, and actually, Katie, you were involved. You were really the early developer of that uh, framework of our infographics, and so I, I just want to give you a shout out and thank you because that was so helpful. Uh, the infographics have are grouped by skill areas and have websites, links to activities, games, other resources that are helpful and again are grouped by skill areas. So we have some related to executive functioning, life skills, apps for speech therapists that are very popular, online spinners. And uh, so we just have so many different topics and those are very helpful because it'll take you right to those websites where you can find some fabulous things that you could quickly incorporate into your therapy sessions. Um, so those have been really popular. And again, those are totally free on our freebie section. Um, another thing that's been popular just recently, and I'm, I'm really proud of how it 
it came out is an eight and a half hour professional development course that we created in response to the needs of school-based therapists or therapists working with the pediatric population, that school-age population. We created a telehealth provider training program, a pediatric track for that school-age population. And it really is every foundational consideration around telehealth from uh, just the technology, ethics, the setup of your environment, the lighting, practical strategies and tips for evaluation intervention with demonstrations. And we have actually developed that for OTs, PTs, and speech therapists. We had different expert contributors for each of those different disciplines. And that was approved by AOTA for eight and a half contact hours, as well as we've also had it approved for physical therapists and are working, you know, state by state with different needs. So I'm really proud of that because we've seen so many practitioners working with school-age children that have come back and just said that that was really helpful. Like it gave them that basic foundation. So that's been a really popular resource and is available on our website on the training tab. Yeah, and I'll link to your website on the, in the show notes, but um, it's telehealthshare.com. Yeah, just uh, www.telehealthshare.com. Awesome. Yeah, I really enjoyed making those infographics and that was really helpful for me because I felt like I got to see all these um, cool websites and what's out there. And I know my kids really like, I think the, my, their favorite is, it's called Wheel Decide, where they mm -hmm. spin the wheel and, and I just put a bunch of options and, you know, that's what we're working on, especially for those older kids. They liked that. Um, so yeah, that was a fun collaboration and, and thank you for letting me be a part of that. Absolutely. No, that was wonderful. And yeah, the online spinners can be so much fun just to make certain activities more, you know, fun for the kids to anticipate or, you know, speech therapists working on specific sounds. Um, I've seen those be integrated. And uh, the very first one that's on the infographic is probably my favorite <laughs> intentionally put in the first position, but we have, um, quite a few that are included on that infographic. But those infographics, you know, just knowing what's out there, you know, how can you work on life skills or what websites, you know, have, have some really great stuff. And this is really a collaboration and that's really what Telehealth Share is about as well is just therapists helping therapists. So as people tell us, you know, oh, I'm really loving this website, we update the infographics to, you know, continually bring the, the most rich content to practitioners. And we're always mindful while we do have products for sale and things that we've created that are for sale or by other therapists, you know, we really want to balance that with being a public service. And so we are always working to expand the free resources that are available as well, just because we are so passionate about telehealth and we really want um, others to see the benefits uh, of telehealth themselves. Yeah, we all really appreciate that. So thank you for that. Um, so kind of switching back to, you had mentioned a little bit about the position paper and what that that was a pretty top popular resource. What were some of the, you know, beginning things you were looking at on research and what were some of the, you said you were conceptualizing uh, telehealth for people. What were some of the things you were running into then? That's a great question. Early on, it was really coming, overcoming attitudinal barriers, uh, even licensure board members who just were having a really difficult time recognizing and seeing the value of telehealth and that it really could be equivalent but different than in-person services and really what that looks like and why there are tremendous benefits. I mean, one being that we can work with clients in their natural environment and, you know, working with the tools that they have available and the materials that they have a available on a daily basis in the context. And so that, that was really important. It's just to help overcome some of those um, barriers. Also, even practitioners, there were, were and, and 
I will say that it's not for everyone and that's okay. You know, I think it's a tool in our toolbox. I'm not advocating a, a blanket application of telehealth with all of our clients. I think that it's just another tool, a service delivery model that can be used um, perhaps, you know, it, with clients exclusively, depending on the context, or as a hybrid approach with some services being in person and some through telehealth, but helping therapists who are, you know, of the mindset of in stakeholders that we are a hands-on profession. You know, it's like, how much are you actually physically needing? You know, certainly there are times and there's certain skills that we might be working on where there is a physical component, but if you really step back and look at your practice, how much are you physically you know, touching your patient or client and how much is, you know, thinking of um, strategies to modify the task or the environment. And so much of those elements can be done through telehealth and, and in some cases can be done even more effectively. Um, so that was a big piece early on was just helping people to conceptualize and think about telehealth and to overcome some of those barriers that we were seeing among even our own practitioners and certainly among stakeholders outside of OT. Yeah, I feel like that's good to hear kind of the talking points kind of if someone we do run into those barriers at an administration level to kind of hear that and, and be able to speak to that. So thank you for some of those points. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that the research really goes hand in hand. So we're, we're now at a point where we just have to continue to build the research base. And, you know, there is some good evidence specifically, even in Co there's some Cochrane reviews specifically more so for the stroke population where there's a more robust body of evidence. Um, the VA system has been doing telehealth now for many, many years and very extensively. And so I think that we can look to um, various entities that have have more experience and can really demonstrate the positive impact and look at some of those cost uh, components. But I think from the research standpoint, you know, we still need to continue to build the efficacy research that telehealth is effective with, you know, the different populations that we serve. And then also looking at our assessments. And we're seeing so many more of our assessments now available through publishers' online portals. You know, we have WPS and Pearson and different publishers do have online portals that are secure. And the assessments are actually built in and designed for them to be administered asynchronously. So, you know, you simply put in some demographic information, the caregiver or the, the client gets an email to go into a secure portal to complete the questionnaire. Um, primarily, those are for our questionnaire-based assessments, but some of those being normed assessments that can um, really uh, help us with, with our evaluation. And so I think that we need to just continue to do research on some of our other assessments that are observation-based. Um, where we can really demonstrate that there is equivalency in the delivery through telehealth as in person and that there is good validity and reliability of those assessments. Great. That sounds like a fun research study. <laughs> I think it'll be really good. I think, um, you know, that's one of those research studies that can be done fairly inexpensively and, and in, a, in a short time frame. So I think that uh, hopefully we'll continue to see more um, research in that area. One that I'm personally very passionate about, I'll put a plug in for, I have had some amazing mentors. I won't name them by name, but just so I don't forget anybody, but there is an evidence-based intervention, comprehensive behavioral intervention for ticks, CBIT, and it is a very effective intervention, very short-term. It's about an eight-week, um, eight to ten uh, intervention sessions. Um, for individuals who have chronic tick disorders, pediatrics or adults, and it lends itself to telehealth. It's a very um, 
an intervention that can be very effectively delivered through telehealth. And so that's a passion of mine, one, because the, the intervention is so powerful. It can have dramatic effects. You know, it's almost like sensory type interventions where if you find the right combination or the right uh, approach with the client. Uh, and in this case, you're identifying competing responses to uh, the, the tick that they're expressing and uh, can have a very immediate effect for the client and, and life-changing, truly. So I am very passionate because there's not very many OTs that are trained in that intervention and have been blessed to be able to go through the training and, uh, to, like I said, to have some amazing mentors that are really uh, pioneers and champions of that intervention within OT. And I would love to see more research, and that's where I hope to do some of my research in the near future of using telehealth as a delivery tool for that intervention. That's very neat. <clears throat> and I think that will impact a lot of kiddos and adults. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's, um, I, I bring it up only because I hope other OTs might have an interest in exploring CBIT. Um, the TRET Association has some wonderful resources on their website. Um, there's been a number of OTs that have been involved. Actually, we have a great presentation on the Telehealth Share YouTube channel. It's about an hour presentation with some of the pioneers of CBIT uh, in OT. And uh, that's a great place to start if someone might be interested in learning a little bit more um, Maybe we can link that to your notes as well so that folks can learn a little bit about CBIT. And I think that uh, as therapists are thinking about kind of niche areas that they might want to practice or, you know, expand upon what they're doing and, and have a side practice, uh, being entrepreneurial, that might be an avenue where there's some great opportunity to serve clients uh, through CBIT, through telehealth. Yeah, that's, I did see that on there, so the, the video, and I flagged it to go back to, so thank you for putting that on there. Uh, so what are you, um, what are the projects you're working on right now? I know that you've done a lot, but I know the work never ends, so. Well, I uh, currently, AOTF, the American Occupational Therapy Foundation, is putting together um, a workshop around the topic of telehealth with funders, clinicians, and researchers. So I've been involved in helping on the organizing committee of that workshop. And I'm really excited to see what comes out of that. I anticipate that we'll have some ideas of some needed research studies, some white papers, and so forth that will ultimately emerge from that that meeting. I'm also uh, working with some co-authors on the World Federation of Occupational Therapists position statement that was first published in 2014 and is currently in revision uh, just to do some updates with that paper. So that is another thing that I'm currently working on. Of course, I also teach full-time, you know, at Spalding. We do have, um, we're an entry-level doctoral program, so I'm starting to think about mentoring Capstone uh, students that are working on capstone experiences and projects. And again, I think that the direction of that will, will likely be in CBIT and telehealth, um, initially at least. Um, another thing that I've been kind of throwing it out there, it's interesting, it hasn't yet stuck, but there's some interest um, with different organizations. I feel like there's a tremendous need to have a place to quickly be able to go to see where there are some clinicians with real world program evaluation or research needs uh, for the clinic and for students that are needing to have capstone experiences and projects to kind of identify potentially real-world opportunities and then to have researchers be able to connect with clinicians who have populations that they might you know be able to serve for the, the studies that have already been approved and perhaps funded. So I just am in my mind envisioning this matrix where you know clinicians, researchers, 
doctoral students could all come together and share and uh, identify um, opportunities to connect and collaborate. So I've been kind of pitching that to uh, different organizations and activities that I've been involved with. And I do hope that that ultimately uh, finds a home because I do think that there's a tremendous need and that there's so much power when we can connect and collaborate. It just creates a momentum and uh, new opportunities can emerge. As someone who's also trying to bridge that gap, I really appreciate that. And I think that would be an amazing tool for our clinicians as well as um, students and then researchers as well to be able to connect. I can see that for sure working very well. And I, I think the more we interact, the more it'll be able to be applied and then easier to implement. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, that kind of, kind of like, you know, you practice in the clinic, what you're going to work on at home, you try to simulate it as much as possible. Um, you know, ideally you're in the natural environment, but you, um, it just makes it that one less step. So I, I think that's a good idea. I, I also hope that maybe somebody listening will maybe jump on that. So <laughs> that's yeah. pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I hope that um, I've kind of done a mock-up of what I envision that to look like. And I've kind of on a small scale done a little bit of that matrix work of just developing my own projects that I'm interested in helping students to work on and mentor. But I think that that clinical piece and having clinicians being able to identify real world needs that, that students and researchers can really address uh, and bringing those all together, it, it would be really powerful. So I keep putting it out there and I think eventually it'll, it'll find a home to, to make it happen. So how, if we're, you know, really interested in either learning about research or telehealth, how would we be able to connect with you? Well, I am able to be reached through email. I would say Spalding University, J. Kaysen at Spalding, S-P-A-L-D-I-N-G dot E-D-U is a good email to connect with me, particularly if it relates to research interests or general telehealth information. Uh, if it's telehealth share related, if it's um, related to more about resources with telehealth share, or um, if someone's interested in perhaps putting digital products in our online marketplace, or just questions about some of our webinars or other continuing education opportunities. My email for telehealth share is Jana at telehealthshare.com. So either of those emails is a great place to reach out to me and I'm always happy to connect and like to connect others with, with others who are doing work and have a common interest or to provide some additional guidance on accessing resources. Thank you so much, Jana. I really appreciate you taking the time to share all you've done for, you know, you've been in the telehealth world for a while and we all are all just trying to figure it out. So we really appreciate your guidance and your mentorship in many different avenues and your advocacy for the OT profession. So thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you.